0: Thank you all for coming. Uh, I'm sure most of you have been here before, but if you haven't, uh, the format <coughs> very simple. Um, each of these editors will introduce themselves and uh, speak a little bit about what they want what they don't want. Uh, then I'll ask some guided questions and we'll throw things open to the floor. So without further ado, to my left, my immediate left, we have uh, Aidan Corkery, news editor with The Mail on Sunday, uh, Anya Toner, editor with Woman's Way, and Liam Collins, who is the former news editor of Sunday Independent, i the comment editor of the Irish Independent, but we will probably talk mostly about the news yeah. side of things. OK, uh, so uh, I'll start with Adam. Right, uh, I didn't realise I was going to go first. I was hoping to get a few ideas from uh, Anya and Liam, but uh, here I am I'm going first. So uh, first of all, um, I decided I'd just kind of give you a sense of what the Mail on Sunday is about, our ethos, our way of approaching stories, and then run through uh, basically our uh, the way we approach stories according to this, the various areas, so in terms of crime, politics, health, showbiz, that kind of thing. How we do things. Obviously, other, story, other newspapers do things differently, but this is our approach to doing things. And I think that by showing you our approach, you can understand how we do things, and you can learn how to adapt for other newspapers. Obviously, the Irish Times will do stories quite differently to us. The Star will do stories very different to us. So, so yeah, so I'm the news editor. Uh, I was a freelancer once. Uh, very happy times. And um, so I, I have been in the exact same shoes as yourselves. I uh, used to do a bit of freelancing for the mail and for RTE until, thankfully, the, uh, the mail uh, took pity on me and uh, did a bit of a hungry look on me, I'd say. still do, but, uh, so, yeah, I've been there since about 2008 now. So, basically, the mail, probably uh, one of the, um, it, I just remember, actually, when I was freelancing at the time for, in 2008 for both, I did uh, some work for RTE's Morning Ireland show and I, did work, I was doing work for the Daily Mail. And the difference you got in when you rang up and said, Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing a story for the Mail on Sunday, or the Daily Mail. And the difference you got when you said you're a ring from Morning Ireland was quite incredible. So that when you rang from Morning Ireland, you get, Oh yeah, of course I'll talk to you. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be in, I'll come in whatever time you want, no worries. And when you tell people that you're a ring from the Mail, it's like, Ah, ah, ah I'm going through a tunnel here at the moment, I don't think I can quite <laughs> hear you. Um, very different ethos. But I was able to obviously just adapt, as you guys need to do as well, to whoever you're working for. So the male, we are a tabloid. My bosses probably prefer to call us mid-market. But we are very much a tabloid. But we are not a red top. So a lot of people tend to get confused. Even some people who uh, present what it says in the papers seem to think sometimes we're a red top. The red tops are the sun, the star, the mirror. They do a very, very good job. But they are obviously they're into gangland crimes and of their big things we are not into gangland crime at all. We don't care about gangland crime. We don't care what the Fat Freddy does or what the Don does or who shot who in, and who's buried who in a shallow grave. We don't really care because our readers are typically, they're middle class, female, they're in their 40s or 50s, their 60s, they have kids. They would prefer to think, imagine that the world doesn't Really include the likes of Fat Freddy and the Don and everybody else. What they're interested in is health. They're interested in showbiz. They are interested in glamour, fashion. They are interested They're interested in politics as well. Those are the kind of stories, and also those kind of quirky, uh, kind of little stories. You know about you know the water cooler moments, the stories that make you go, ah, oh, you know, oh God, that's interesting. So those are the kind of stories we're into. So not really the hard, gritty stuff. You know, we do take very serious subjects, obviously, but not really as I say gangland so now to go through the types of stories that we do I'll start first of all with showbiz we love showbiz, we love glamour as I said the reason um, I'm starting with showbiz at the moment is we're actually losing a showbiz reporter and because of cuts and everything else we're not actually replacing her we do have another showbiz reporter but there is an opening there I know some of you perhaps and looking at some of the gentlemen here probably it's not quite your forte, I can understand that, but at the same time, particularly maybe ladies, maybe I'm being a bit sexist here, but obviously women often tend to be better at showbiz stories. We definitely, I'm always delighted to take a showbiz story, absolutely, I would bite your arm off for a showbiz story. Um, so please do. The kind of stories that we like in terms of showbiz are like, who's dating who, who is, who's breaking up with who and who's fighting with who all those kind of things not that interested in somebody's gotten a role in a new movie with blah 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 it's just it's kind of stuff I could find out in IMDB in a second not really that interesting but for instance um, if some of you were looking at the Sun yesterday you would have seen that uh, there was somebody Michael Fassbender was spotted canoodling with Naomi Campbell and it had the brilliant headline The Fast and the Furious and I was just thumbs up um, that's brilliant that's kind of th- stuff we would love Last year we had a great story about how Rob Carney uh, went on a date with um, Catherine Jenkins, the Welsh opera singer. That's, um, <coughs> that's brilliant stuff. And incidentally, Rob Carney's ex and Catherine Jenkins' ex ended up going out on a date as well. So there's the added twist. So just to that story something <coughs> brilliant. In terms of who's fighting with who, we had a very good story last year about uh, Miriam, Miriam McCulloughan and uh, Claire Byrne having a spat on primetime. And basically, what it involved was Claire Byrne was the new presenter on primetime. She'd only just joined. They were both presenting the show that night, and they both arrived in red dresses. Mm-hmm. And the director said, uh, "Well, uh, I think we've got a slight bit of a problem here." But <coughs> instead of asking Claire Byrne, who was the junior presenter, to mm-hmm. change, he actually asked Miriam McCallaghan to change. And uh, Miriam was not too happy about this, and they had a bit of a stand-up row. And the story, the, the story went everywhere in the RT canteen. Everybody was talking about it and thankfully we got to we were able to confirm it anyway so um, it just was a really good story you can say that these things are trivial that these things aren't important that they don't really mean anything in terms of the the state of the nation they probably don't but you know you can't deny that even you know the most serious minded person would have actually had a look at that and kind of gone oh god look at that so we love stories like that so if you have a story like that a little bit of a little bit of a story to it a little bit of an intrigue then as I say give me a call I will absolutely bite your arm off and much of the rest of your body as well. In terms of crime, our crime correspondent is out on maternity leave at the moment, the very, very wonderful and accomplished uh, Debbie McCann. So we also have quite a few openings for uh, crime stories at the moment. As I said just before, uh, as I say, Fat Freddy, <coughs> no thanks, you can, um, The Sunday World covered that area very, very well. We wouldn't even dream of encroaching in their territory. They have the expertise there. The only exception to that was John Gilligan. John Gilligan because... You know, even my mother down in Kerry, who knows who John Gilligan is, and she lives a long way away from West Dublin and Ballymore um, and Finglas and all that. But she would know who John Gilligan is. So, but generally, gangland know. We're also one thing that some people sometimes forget about us is, or would kind of think it, they're important stories. But my God, are we all sick of them? It's the uh, paedophile priest story. It's terrible, terrible, terrible issue. You know, very, very important. But we are. We tend not to go for stories if they're just absolutely, utterly disgusting. As I say, our readership is tends to be kind of middle class, female, mums. They don't want to read horrible details of you know rape and sexual assault, especially of minors. It just would turn your stomach and uh, we tend not to really put too much, do too much on it. What we are, we are interested in crime though. Things that uh, we are very interested in are things like nasty types uh, terrorising old people. You, you might remember that uh, old farmer down in, uh, I think it was County Clare, who uh, the uh, some local g- uh, gang basically kind of were terrorising him. He ended up cycling on his bike to a nursing home in the middle of the night, about an enormous distance, I think about 30 miles. That was just tragic, you know. You just think of your own parents in that situation. That's kind of stuff that really, you know, we, we are interested in, soft sentencing. Again, uh, middle-class murders, the... Amy Little's story then if we go on to health obviously uh, health is obviously a huge issue as I say we've got about 60% 65% female readership female, re- uh, uh, female readers tend to be more interested in health than males so health is a very very important issue for us we actually <coughs> recently appointed a health correspondent New Griffin is her name very good but we as I say always we're always interested in it. you can always ring me if you've got a good health story Somebody who's seriously ill, who can't get the care that they need, and know that they're you know possibly dying, or that there's a cancerous tumour growing in them, and they can't get seen. That is just absolutely, absolutely frustrating. Uh, you know, the types of stories like Susie Long. We had a very good story actually, yeah, about um, adrenaline pumps and um, uh, sorry, diabetes. Yeah, adrenaline pumps. They're uh, for treating diabetes. they are a new type of uh, way of doing it. Um, the old way was kids would have to inject themselves four or five times a day with insulin now the adrenaline pumps they can actually just kind of carry a little pump around with them a much better system obviously not completely hassle-free either but a far far better system but the only place that you can get trained and you need a lot of training kids need a lot of training on how to use them the only place they can at the moment there's only about three places in the country so kids in Donegal, mayo kerry have to travel often their parents can't travel they have to stay overnight so we're just making the point that, you know, we talk to people, talk to parents. There's a lot of meetings happening up in Donegal at the moment. They are annoyed that they have to travel for this when, you know, kids in Dublin don't have to. So things like that, just always very, very uh, good. Kids, obviously, as well. Kids' health issues, even more emotive, so very important. Politics. And we love politics. Not the uh, Not the Irish Times approach, to be honest about, you know, heavy on policy and so on. Kind of tend to focus more on the personalities. The, it's the old adage really that, you know, our politics is showbiz for ugly people. And, uh, you know, the personalities, the power struggles, the rivalry, the egos, that's the kind of stuff that we love, you know. It's just, we're all about people. People, 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 people stories, you know. Faces, uh, their personalities. That's what we love. So we had, we've had we had some great stories over the time from the, well, more the ridiculous to the sublime, maybe. We had a wonderful story about Ivor Calloway and... Uh, how he was, he was uh basically kind of did a hit and run on his yacht down in Cork, crashed into another few boats uh The guard had to uh, go chase after him, eventually located his boat quite a distance away, and he answered the door wearing a kimono, so um mm-hmm. just such a wonderful image of Ivor Kelly wearing our government minister wearing a kimono, which is absolutely fantastic so That's obviously one of the more crazier ones. We do more serious ones. Alex White recently, we found that he was... His daughter was doing... uh, She's doing medicine in Galway. We found that um, he'd actually used his Eroctus email address to... She got an a placement in uh, Letterkenny Hospital. She wanted somewhere closer to Galway. She wanted to get to Sligo. So he emailed the head of the medicine course in Galway and said, Any chance you could, you know kind of sent her down to Sligo, that would be much more helpful and it was obviously from his or email address so he was clearly using a bit of you know, don't you know who I am Uh, I'm the junior health minister, you know, this is a medical school, obviously they knew who he was he denied that he was using his influence but it was very clear, he talked to people in the health department, in the um, faculty, they said as much so he he confirmed it, he admitted it and uh, apologised so that was, uh, you know Abuse of power, we obviously did the story as well about Kieran Conlon, him, him ba- breaking the um, former Fine Gael press advisor, him breaking the, uh, the or rather, uh, his bosses, breaking the pay cap by about 30 grand in order to, for his salary, he's now an advisor to Richard Bruton. That was, that was only about four or five months after the new government had come to power, <coughs> it kind of showed that it was business as usual with the, uh, with the new government, despite all the promises. That's uh so that's Showbiz, Crime, Health, Politics. We also love our kind of quirky stories. You know, it's just the small little things that you can notice at times and you kinda of think might make a story but actually they, they often do. Like we had a great story last year that a few months after uh Lance Armstrong had given his big admission and his big watery eyed interview with uh Oprah Winfrey, one of our reporters Warren Swords noticed that Inda Kenny was still wearing his little yellow Lidstrong bracelet and just rang up and said, uh does he not know that uh, Lance Armstrong is actually now, you know, a self-confessed uh, drug abuser? And um, it was just, it just kind of one of those quirky things, you know, not very important, in the greatest scheme of things, but one of the things that kind of make you go, make you laugh, and kind of go, it's hmm, got a bit odd. So we had a story recently about how there are um, pretty much no rules against buying dangerous animals as pets. So pythons, anacondas, you can all buy all these as pets. So I got to. Um, be in a very strange situation where I asked one of our reporters to go out and buy an alligator mm-hmm. and, um, which he did and, uh, we were able to buy an alligator, no bars on that, no prohibitions so we did donate the alligator to, um a reptile zoo down in <coughs> County Carlos so the alligator is doing fine, just in case you're wondering, he's not a pair of shoes or a handbag or anything like that but, um, so also, I love a historical story. Uh, Artie, I think it was aired last Thursday or the next Thursday. Um, a historical documentary about the struggle for Ireland, struggle for independence, and one aspect of that is uh, uh, General John Maxwell. He was the general during. Uh, he was in charge of the British troops during 1916, and he was the guy who ordered the execution of uh, the the leaders of the Rising. So, Patrick Pierce, Connolly, etc. It was always thought that he was a you know typical bloodthirsty Briton. He just wanted to you know do our shoot everybody. But it turns out they've found letters that he wrote to his wife, in which he actually said, I feel that under my interpretation of capital punishment and military law, emergency powers, I feel I have to sh- execute these guys. I don't want to do it. It's with a heavy heart I do this. It's very interesting that this guy who's for so long portrayed as a bogeyman has actually had serious reservations about what he was doing. So stuff like that, um, always very good. Animal stories. Um, my god, animal stories. My god. We laugh at them, we look down our nose at them, we do in our office to be honest we're like, oh, bloody hell, another bloody cute dog story. But my god they get some reaction. We had a story recently about um, oh, Peggy the puppy, I think it was, who uh, basically was had a very tough upbringing and had all sorts of problems like dislocated limbs and everything else. We, uh, some foster home took her in, um, some shelter, they were estimating the cost of, re, uh, of getting all our operations done at about 6,000 euros. But we wrote about the story anyway. and uh, Anyway, we did the story, uh, 6,000 euros, and there's a, there a special vet, uh, orthopedic surgeon down in Cork, who's offering to do it, and the offers, the donations, just poured in. There is now about seven or 8,000 euros collected for Peggy the Puppy. Peggy the Puppy will be walking... Better than you or I in a few weeks. Um, definitely getting a better level of healthcare than any of our public patients would get from uh, in the, in the HSC, which is absolutely astonishing and a little worrying in a certain sense. But that just emphasises my point. People love, readers love pet stories. So if you have got a story about a chihuahua who can hop on one leg or something like that, as I say, we all laugh about it, but it's actually those stories just are absolute gold. So um, if, if you take one thing from this actual speech, take that. Consumer stories, rip-offs, um, also very, very good. Everybody hates being ripped off. We had a very good story recently about there was, um, it's called the Electric Run, in, uh, it was around the RDS. 7,000 people took part. They paid between €35 Euros and €40 Euros each to take part. The Electric Run organisers said that they were doing this in conjunction with the... Um, with the uh, Irish Cancer Society. So an awful lot of runners assumed that an awful, that quite a large proportion of their hefty entrance fee, it was only a five kilometre run as well, which is very short, that they figured that a lot of their entrance fee was going towards the Irish Cancer Society. We did a bit of searching, and it turned out that actually, if you wanted to donate to the uh, Irish Cancer Society, that what would happen is you'd get a lower entrance fee of 20 euros, and then you would, on your own, Go and raise funds for the Irish Cancer Society. So, of the seven thousand uh, people who entered, I think it was about eighty people actually raised money for the Irish Cancer Society, and they raised about twelve thousand euros. Not, you know, a decent amount of money, but compared to the estimated two hundred fifty thousand euros that they actually brought in through uh, the entrance fee, um, you know. Really a drop in the ocean, you know. So um that story we actually put up on our new uh website. Uh, we've got a new kind of showbiz and uh uh website website for kind of the less serious stories, but um that has gotten the reaction that got on the website was absolutely huge. The website sorry it's called evoke.ie, check it out, it's uh, very good. So those are the kind of stories that we're interested in. and uh, finally I'll just run through the last few things. Quinn to pitch, obviously. Uh I work in the Sunday newspaper, so Tuesday, Wednesday definitely for the. if it's a kind of a complicated story definitely uh, earlier in the week is better if it's you know if you're coming to me with a difficult kind of hard to grasp story by uh, on Friday my head is probably going to be frazzled already so um, I've kind of find it hard to get my head around it obviously though breaking news stories ring me anytime email me anytime um, I'm sure the same would have gone for, for Liam uh, in his situation then uh, email is fine phone is fine you can call me as well just one tip so many so many freelancers just make the mistake of only emailing to one person or only to one email in any organisation at least get two email addresses because I could be on holidays and when I'm on holidays I'm on holidays and frankly I'm not worrying too much about chihuahuas with one leg that can do the hula Uh, just get usually get the um, get the copy email address not the news email address because if you send your copy to the news the press, the email basket for press releases that is a black hole of Calcutta that your story may never come back out of because we just get thousands of, of press releases so um, my email address is aiden aiden not A N, so aiden dot corkery c-o-r-k-e-r-y at mailonsunday dot i-e it's often handy to get uh, the name of somebody else on the, on the news desk as well and just to see them just to make sure that you could have sometimes great stories have missed <clears throat> for such a simple reason um, with daily papers uh, in the morning, obviously 930 to 1130 if it's a story that you know isn't, uh, uh, isn't breaking, um, that's a good time to you know if you're trying to get a news editor 's attention just before they go into their evening conference, you would probably you know it would want to be one hell of a spectacular story, otherwise you're going to get kind of short shrift, not because they're not nice people, it's just that they are extremely, extremely busy, especially in the evening. Uh, in terms of pay, obviously Sundays tend to pay better than daily papers. Just, you know, they have a slightly bigger budget. They only come out once a week. They have a slightly uh, generally would have a bigger circulation. In terms of sending your news stories all around or just to one paper, you know, it's a toss-up, obviously. You know, if you send it all around, you, are probably, you could get, obviously, more money uh, if more papers bite. But some papers will pay more for an exclusive. And if you send it to one paper exclusively you you know you tend to you can if they really like the story they will think a lot of you then and you know you will they will have you'll have their attention the next time you go back to them so it's a bit of a you know as i say it's certain stories you know with the newspaper certain stories are going to bite for some stories um others aren't so a bit of a judgment call but there you go um i hope some of you are not i hope you're not all from dublin here today you're not all based in dublin um because we love the fact that, uh, you know, to have people based around the country. Um, I really hope that some of you are from Tipperary, because we just... You're from Tipperary, are you? yeah. Fantastic. Okay, I need to talk to you afterwards, because uh, Tipperary is uh, a very, very um, quiet, barren place for freelancers, so I think you're, you're, you should be... Uh, you're looking good. Yeah, the future is bright. So um, Westmeath also. Um, if you're in Clare... Uh, Andrew's in Clare. Uh, Andrew's from Clare? Limerick and Galway. Limerick and Galway, okay. On the Clare border, On the Clare of Order, right. Clare is very, very well served, so um, mm. I'd avoid maybe setting up in oh. the just... <laughs> um, Okay, finally, um, in terms of pitching your stories, just a, a quick email with a few lines is grand. If you want to be very fancy, you can actually just write the intro, um, maybe four or five pars, Um That gives a good sense of what the story is going to be about. Obviously, if you want to email the full story, that, is, that will definitely get my attention because I know what's coming, but you don't have to do that. And just be aware that if you do email the full story, I am more than likely going to come back with further questions and there will be more work to do. You know, well, could you make a few more calls about such and such? So um, I have a very, very, very demanding editor who um, basically likes to try and catch me out with uh, all sorts of questions about stories that I would never have imagined. So um, I will come back to you with more questions, unfortunately. So there will just. Because you've written the story doesn't mean that there's not going to be more work. And obviously, go to the person that you, you're writing the story about. If it's about, say, I don't know, some politician who's done something or said something, you, ha- you do have to go to that person and say, look, we're doing a story, do you want to comment? Keep your intro, for the love of God, keep your intros under 25 words. Do not have big, long, 50-word intros with sub-clauses and everything else, or you're just, I'm just going to lose interest I'm going to lose the will to live actually Um, (laughs) just imagine that you're telling your friend down the pole what happened if you don't know how to use apostrophes for the love of God learn how to use them really that's my own pet hate some people just I think it's like a dartboard where they just kind of start throwing them at the page oh god finally one big thing I was going to say is human interest case studies it's one thing to say that 30 guard stations are closing down that's an important enough story but if you have an elderly woman living on her own whose house is, who is broken into, and she's beaten up just you know, a few months after the local guard station breaks down, or is closed down. That's <coughs> what will get people's attention, faces, faces. As I was going to say earlier, we had a very good story today about, um, or in yesterday's paper, about a dermatologist, consultant dermatologist in Waterford General Hospital, regional hospital, sorry. He's retiring. He's just in his mid-50s. He's just absolutely fed up with his, the length of the waiting lists, so he's retiring. He's just quit the job. There's, uh, the other dermatology consultant is on uh, maternity leave at the moment. So there's no consultant dermatologist at the moment. Now, that's an interesting story. It's an important story. But um, essentially, it's, it's about a well-paid grey-haired guy has retired. So, you know, it's, it's important. But, you know, as I say, well-paid grey-haired guy has retired. So often, In a certain sense. But we got a case study of a woman who has got really bad psoriasis. And she's saying that without, she has to get certain injections from consultants. She can't get them from a GP. She has to go to the consultant. Without the, these injections, her skin will scale and will break and will bleed badly. I didn't realise it was that, that, that condition that gets that serious. She will be hospitalised and she will end up in a hospital for three or four weeks, costing you and me more money. She posts her picture. That's the human interest, that's the person that you actually empathise with. Faces, we relate to faces, not figures. There you go, thanks, sorry for talking to you.